Hi, and welcome back to Animist Activist Podcast. It's me, your host and writer, Bree. Today I'm reading a mildly edited essay I wrote a while back. My goal in sharing this now is that this work may help to stabilize a bit of human consciousness hierarchy, sort of set that foundation of thought for the following episodes this season, because we're going to be diving right into some paradoxical puzzles like invasive species, weeds, human waste practices, just to name a few. I wrote and published this essay on September 1st, 2020. This was to be a few days before I turned 29 years old, and I was having deep experiences of knowing crop up about what it means to occupy the human form. I was making art, vocationally making coffee, and designing a lot of content, zines, and virtual classes surrounding earth-based spiritual practice, grief work, and art as ritual. At the time, I was living in a small duplex in a very small town in the so-called southern United States of America, and in this space, uh, I was surrounded at five points by a breathing pentagram of five mature oak trees. They were mostly oak trees. One of them might have been a tulip poplar. Um, I can't quite remember. But so, just painting that picture for you. Um, I, I personally hold the number five in great esteem as a life path number, uh, numerologically. And oak trees are sacred to my wayback druid ancestors um, in the British Isles. And each of these trees, especially this time of year, late summer in the rain and humidity, were populated over their roots by loads of moss beings, as well as the fruiting bodies of several fungi species. Jack-o'-lantern fungi were there, indigo milk mushrooms, some gorgeous gothic-looking black mushroom I was never able to fully identify, and some other uh, mushrooms too, in shades of red-brown. And outside the window of my bedroom was this ramshackle house, kind of dilapidated and covered in ivy. There was a moldering wood slap fence woven through with wild blackberry bushes that separated my yard from the space in that wild place. There was old wooden canoe next to the back of the house uh, outside my window, from where I often heard a regular bump in the night that I rather imagined was a possum. At least it always amused me (laughs) to believe that there was a possum living in that canoe. And the old outbuilding, also crumbling, was the home of several families, most notably adorable, the groundhog family, who had three babies in the spring season that I lived there. I used to occupy myself quite often by watching them come outside in the evening, just before the sun went down, um, just watching them eat. It was fabulous. (laughs) And late at night in this house, always in the ink-deep dark of the evening, I'd be lying in bed and hear a soft, low, metallic humming. It was just persistent enough to disrupt my rest. The discomfort of my inability to place this sound led me out into a midnight walk on more than one occasion, searching for the origin of this noise. It sounded like something in between very distant construction noise, the electromagnetic buzz of old telephone wires, and a soft guttural purring that some cats or even birds might make. And I wandered around out there, dark streets, as the sound moved, 
maze-like and in spirals. I believed I was following the sound, but I never located it. It was a will-o'-the-wisp, a trickster, and something, but also nothing. This is the space I occupied. I had one human neighbor who shared the other side of the duplex. He worked nights and slept days, and we briefly passed one another and nodded hello that marked most timid communication during 2020 in the early coronavirus times. The fungi people, the possum, the spiders, and oak trees, the nothing sound, were also all my neighbors. And the following essay is what came about from this time and place, musings on hierarchy and being human. It's also about my personal learning, that even in this skin and bone compilation, with this kind of brain, even this has its flaws and hang-ups, misguided obsessions, and that there's more to this human being thing than just conscious awareness. This essay was edited for sharing via audio, that is, for listening rather than reading. And it's called, Your Highest Self is Your Smallest Self, and It's Not About You. There's a tendency in the spiritual industry to center the human experience. For starters, the most adhered to religions currently are the monotheisms based on a humanoid godhead. In the libraries I frequently visit, the self-help and spirituality books are often shelved in the same section. Life coaches and gurus make millions on helping you to be the best version of yourself. Concepts of the higher self are a necessary mythos. And I don't mean myth as a synonym for fake or false or untrue. I consider myself an archetypal linguist, and so I know and cherish the importance of mythology, storytelling, and the human necessity of making meaning. Concepts of the higher self are necessary, but if we spend even one quarter of our spirit's energy toward achieving higher selfhood, we are missing several points in our path of being embodied as humans. Even among some shamanic, and I put this in quotes because if I use this word, I note that we have to score this word with its Western fetishization. So even among some, quote, shamanic, unquote, frameworks, or otherwise known as earth-based spirituality, much of the content, the experiences, the workshops, classes, and sessions are all based on the person, human concepts of nature and projections, anthropomorphism. A lot of mainstream Western herbalism centers on what plants can do for us rather than the inherent value of a plant's living wisdom, a plant's consciousness, whether we pick and eat it or not. These practices still typically center healing people guiding people and serving people. Soul retrieval toward healing is potent trauma work. It's necessary. But then we have hundreds of dollars to $2,000 weekend retreats. And, well, since I've even written this, I'm going to add an addendum. Also, so many more. (laughs) So much money uh, for certain types of retreats or classes that promise attendees they will level up to their next version of themselves. And that has a bit of a different flavor. 
And then there's this new thing, this fear of playing small, especially in neoliberal, feminist, girl boss, capitalist contexts. Yeah, say that five times fast. I'm also told that in order to sell my work, either as an artist or as a spiritual facilitator, I have to present what I do in a way that appeals to a potential client's sense of self and how my work can help them. Things have to be framed within a package that centers a person. Like, in marketing lingo, but it's also seeped into, you know, business training for spiritual facilitators. Uh, that you have to highlight what people's problem is and then create a solution specific to that problem. In other words, sometimes even creating a problem for people that only you can solve to sell your work. And I cannot, will not, like, that's just not how I am able to approach things. And I won't approach things from that perspective. But anyway, so written, I have written, things have to be framed within a package that centers a person. And, and, there is the platitude that when we heal ourselves, we heal the world. This is true. It is. It's not false. We have to be healing and in a healing experience ourselves to be of service in the world. We're at a point in the context of human existence where we all need healing. We've all experienced just sheer trauma from living in the culture that we live in. Even if we don't have immediate biological family trauma, which most of us do, and even if we don't have immediate sense of trauma from a, a certain type of cultural or religious upbringing, which we do, just centuries of patriarchy, of colonialism, of white colonialism, all of that sort of the divorce of soul from the earth, all of that takes its toll. So we all do have to be in a healing experience to be of service to our world. But I question, what if healing doesn't necessarily look like leveling up? And amid so much cultural trauma and masses of people, even religious and spiritual ones, that live in soul divorce, healing is a very personal journey. But it's perhaps less public and more about unplugging from larger collective harmful programs than it is about, quote, being better, unquote. Maybe healing work is a leveling down. Maybe it's about shrinking the self. Maybe the highest self is the smallest self. Maybe many of us should be really proud that our, quote, power animal, unquote. And again, I have to highlight the westernization and appropriation of this term. I'm only using it to highlight the context in which it now comes from, this appropriative place. Because we see this word around if you're in spiritual spaces or move in um, New Age or even uh, Old Age pagan or witch-oriented spaces, you'll see the word power animal. It's fully appropriative. Um, but maybe many of us should be proud that we associate with field mouse or spider or the garden snake, or snail, or earthworm. 
as human beings, maybe we all just need to lie naked in the dirt for a while and go to ground like so many other soft-bodied, warm-blooded mammals do. And even so many cold-blooded um, and lizard-skinned reptilians do. You know, everybody likes to lie in the dirt. And personally, I love helping people. I do. Whenever I was asked as a child, what are you going to be when you grow up? I usually answered with ballerina, veterinarian, actress, film score composer, marine biologist, until I attended college and I was compelled to change my major from creative writing to sociology. What are you going to do with a degree in sociology? They would ask. I don't know. I just want to help people. I just want to help people. I just want to help people. That was my refrain for years and years. And it's still true. I want to help people. And centering the human experience will not heal this world or individual humans inside it. Not long term. Psychology is great. Mental health is so important. And it seems like the more we learn about our human minds, the worse our world is responding to these insights on the cultural level. Knowledge becomes an abuse of power really easily currently. This is because systems of oppression rely on something key the world over in the micro and macro realms of this 3D reality. These systems of hierarchy and dominance, you don't need me to name them, count on producing humans that are divorced from their souls and that are divorced from their relationship to the more than human, the all that is, divorced from the fabric of life, the web of being, or nature, as the colonial project is wont to call it. So I write this to say with so much love and compassion, my business, my sacred work in the world isn't here to serve people at least not only people. My work with people is a remembering, a putting back together of what's already inherent in the beingness of humanness. It's a people-type project that centers ancient ways of being human and how we relate. Listen, give, receive, protect, nourish, make refuge among the other world. How we relate as beings in human bodies with spirits of the land Old gods with names long forgotten that are known now simply as mountain or river or sea. The plant people, fungi spirits, our animal and stone kin, all of them. If we work together, if we spend any increment of time and depth conversation, if you're reading or if you're listening to this podcast now, I hope that you'll forget about you. I will forget about me. We will forget about us. We will remember us with a capital U. All of us, from microbe, spore, to fruiting body, arachnid, arthropod, to winged, beautiful insect, to flower, fruit, root, and vine, moss, and stone, and hot, furry, flesh-carrying wisdom keepers, keepers of conscious wisdom. All of us. We are medicine. Thanks for listening. I love you. I love people. I want to help people. 
I just want to be a body on this earth with other bodies, people bodies, among so many other beautiful bodies made of so many beautiful things. So that's that. Uh, that is that essay in its entirety. I ad-libbed a little bit because I do that. I go off onto tangents. Um, it's part of my process. It's part of my, th my thinking process. Um, yeah, there are just some things. I just want to go ahead and clarify that. Any reference to words like shaman or shamanism or things like power animal that is in context of the industry that I'm speaking of. Um, it is not actively in use in my personal dictionary. Just want to make that clear. I have my own words that I use to describe um, people who work with spirits of land um, that are ancestral to my people. And I encourage you, well, we can talk about this later on another episode, but I encourage you to, for what whatever you know of your own ancestry, if you're interested in earth spirit medicine at all, to go ahead and learn what those words are for for your people, or just simply acknowledge the fact that it's just a village medicine person, the person who is a healer in a village setting. Um, so that's my only addendum to what I just read, and I'm really grateful that you listened. Thanks for being here. Um, next episode, we'll be talking about invasive species and weeds, and one of my favorite plant people, dandelions. So I'll see you next time. Or not really, but you know what I mean. Thanks and bye.